Ah, uh, we'll see. I can't hear myself. There, I can. All right. All right. All right now. Got it now. Yeah, man. Yeah. Are we on? We're on. It's live. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. Bill O'Reilly. So, yeah, I was dude. I was watching um, this guy on HBO, Bill Maher. Uh, yeah. Dude, they're so left though. Like, kind of. What Bill Maher's left? Or not Bill Maher. Who, who's the guy on HBO? Dude, Bill Maher's super left. Was then that's him. Yeah. yeah. They're so left. It's almost like annoying at times because I, they did actually bring in like a Republican. Are we gonna have a, a from the hill political? Uh, I hope not. I don't. I don't really want to. I mean, we're gonna do. We'll lose like half of our subscriber base because we start talking about politics. We definitely are. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna sign on to my Facebook. Here. You want to go on yours? I mean, yeah. you can just pull it up through mine. Unless you get on yours and you want to share it, you can do that too. Yeah, I want to share it from mine because yeah. I have um, a lot more friends than you. Yeah, uh, that's up for debate. <laughs> I'm just joking, man. It's up for debate. You guys... <laughs> that's... I see Nick Corliss and I see Jared Blair. Nick Corliss had a bomb ski there. Did he? Yeah, so, oh, yeah. What happened with the Marstowns? Uh, that got obviously. Oh, they play, you guys played yesterday, right? Because didn't really uh, I did not play yesterday. I went down to watch. It was the D2 qualifiers. Nicky. There was a lot of things going on. Nick played for MR2, which is right. another team. I'm not actually sure where they're out. Who on. won? Nick, who won? I think it was a team from uh, Linfield called Stride. Linfield team? Big, big East team. You know the big left team? Yeah, that's, that's Ed Brzezelica's sister's husband. Oh, is it? Yeah, they, I went to high school with... Ed Brzezelica is, is related to a lot of people. Yeah, I went to high school with the Boers, and that's so big. E is married to Jess. That's Ed's sister. Big E is a good player, and uh, we haven't seen him that much. He was playing Linfield a lot. Yeah, I, met, I don't think he's ever played Narstown. Yeah, there, yeah there he, has. he He has for fall. Cor- Nick said Stride one. Yeah, yeah Stride right. one. Yeah. So, yeah, there, there was a forfeit situation, and I'm, I won't, I won't say what happened and all that, but... Um, yeah, the, there was a forfeit situation. Yeah, the Pauls was in it, and Nona was in it, and Strive was in it, um, and and someone had. Well, we need now. I need to know. No, no I'll t- I'll tell you all. I don't want to tell you. This all. is an off-air topic. Yeah. Unless, no, it wasn't. It wasn't like a fight or anything like that. It wasn't anything. Yeah. Bad. It was just something. Okay. Yeah. All right, PFT. What yeah, do you sorry. think, bro? I, I'm gonna leave this. What I, <laughs> I'm gonna leave. All right, all right, PFT. I'm exhausted. Whatever you think, buddy. Terrible. This is my first show without a hat on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually having some trouble hearing myself. Turn, you got to turn the mic. You got it. Yeah. yeah the, the money spot is the front side. You got it like turned down. How many down. times are we going through this? I know, dude. You got it here. That's better? All right. That's better. Because right. the money the money side is the front spot. Oy. Ready to get this popping? What's up, everybody? What is this song? You don't like this song? What is it? This is DJ Snake, a different way. Okay. This is one of my favorite songs right now. Yo, you know you're you're kind of weird on your music. Why you say that? So you, you uh, one of the things that you said was one of your favorite songs was that one of that Maroon Five songs, and I didn't like it. Oh wait, I love that song. So then I started listening to it, and it got stuck in my head, like, yeah, over and over. Dude, and over. So that's what Maroon Five is, honestly. Like yeah. when they play a song, it's so catchy, and you listen to it, it gets stuck in your head, but then it wears off. Oh, I still love that song. Have you concerted? Them? No, they're coming soon. Actually, I thought about going, but I don't know what the crowd would be at a room. So I totally, I went to DMV. Yeah, we need. Can we get a story I, from there? Dude, I was so growing out at DMV. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. It was a whole lot of fun, and like people just, 
you go there. I actually found out another thing. There's a an emblem. There's a DMB emblem. It looks like a little ballerina or whatever. And I thought, do you know like the the Tiger Shulman sticker yeah, that people yeah, put on the yeah, back of their yeah, car? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I th- I always thought that that was like a okay, your daughter does ballet somewhere at this place that I don't know about. Sure. But this sticker actually means like you're a huge DMB fan. Oh god. So I didn't know that. I've always liked I like Dave Matthews. I've got into him like more at the end of college and okay. stuff like that. Sure. So I figured I'd go to the concert, but I learned a lot of things. So so let me ask you a question. So okay. I haven't been to a Dave concert in like 13 years. I'm 32. But you have been. I've been. So I went to my first one. That was the first one. Yes. That's insane. Yeah. And you're 31, right? I'll be 32 on Monday. Yeah. So so uh, that's pretty crazy. So tomorrow you is it your no no the following following Monday. Monday. Okay. Yeah, the second. So that's pretty crazy. That was your first concert. Um. So tell us about the things that you learned at the Dave concert. Your um, first one. Well, first of all, it was the sticker, the ballerina sticker. Got that. That's very important. <laughs> there's certain songs that he always plays, and there's certain songs that you have to like. Um, he he has such a big ha- yeah like, he does catalog he does so that you don't know what he's gonna play. Now I expected it to be completely packed, like jam packed, because that's how it used to be, right? Oh yeah. Now like half the hill was full, right? Half from the hill. From so the I hill. was from the hill. Yeah. I was up on the hill, but we it was, only, the hill from it the was hill. only half full. We had a good time. I mean, um, I drank uh, a couple. They have um, the Twisted Teas yeah, that are like 39 ounces. ounces. Yeah. And it costs they're like probably they're like $56. <laughs> yeah. So I took out a couple mortgage payments and got a couple drinks. Had a good time. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we... we it was my first tailgate there. So the guy, there's people walking around. The guy comes up to us. He hands me this um, military hat. And he goes, here, here, this is this is yours. I'm like, oh, man, wow. Oh, nice. So like the short brim military hat? No, no, no. Like it, it was a nice like digicam. You really like it. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, so the guy, the guy brings it over to me and he hands it to me. And he goes, uh, here, here, this is for you. This is to support <laughs> our, you know, the United States. Yeah, man. Uh, and all you need to do to keep this hat is give me a $20 donation to whatever and i'm like dude what a uh, sales pitch what yeah, a like, sales pitch you th- like he thought he was doing it to you for so free. first you own the hat and then he, he tells you to pay for the hat yeah so he got you of didn't. course i did <laughs> you can't not do it i know but i said so i said to the guy, and I, this was legit i was like i don't have any cash on me um you know i maybe i can get some cash and give it to you in a little bit did he say he takes venmo dude the guy takes out the ipad and he has the swipey thing oh yeah so at that point, what a sales pitch! At that point, I'm this guy's a pro. Totally skeptical, right? <laughs> so I'm like, so do you have a receipt or something that I know? So I'll, I'll totally email you the receipt and all that, and you'll it'll it says 100 legit, and it, and it was. So wow. I have to give the guy credit. He was a very good salesman. He must have given out a, a million hats that day. Dude, you should email that guy. We need him to sell all because listen, if if Gambo gets on, Gambone gave him like his entire bank account pin number and everything. So <laughs> once Gambone gets on, he'll be able to. To, to uh, gosh, that's for, awesome. Uh, but it, it, we had a lot of and Dave, we had a lot of fun. Dave puts on a great show. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So Gambone, who I went with, is a humongous fan. So he actually went the Saturday night, the night after as well. <laughs> Friday and Saturday, he went Friday and Saturday. Nice. He's a total nerd. Dave head. He's but he's he's a big music fan, and and he is a, actually a very very good drummer. But he sat outside afterward and got like pictures and autographs yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah. I, I wasn't that big a fan. Like I, well, plus, you, you know, had a, a big softball tournament in the morning, too, right? That did turn out well. No. 
The first two games were a little rough. I, I believe that. Until the afternoon, it was a little bit rough. It's like Jack Boy catching a 9 and tea time <sighs> on Saturday. Dude, yeah, it's a problem. Yeah. Uh, yep. People were asking, yo, what's wrong with you, man? Like, uh, do we need to send you to the hospital? I had a lot of, had a lot of Dave is what you said, right? Yeah, but we had a good time. Um, it was a good weekend. And uh, so just come back to the tournament here in Arstown. There was a lot of action at Heels Field this weekend. Went over yesterday to see the game. There was a lot of good ball played. And... Um, Stride from Linfield, I think, end up winning it. Yeah, that's what Nick so, said. Nicholas said. And I'm not, I'm not as plugged in with the Linfield League as I was a couple years ago. I haven't yeah. been there for a couple of years, but a lot of good ball pl- being played. And um, yeah, I was out today playing with the Pauls. Is that right? Yeah. Nice. Just uh, trying to tire my legs out as much. As I yeah. Kind of hone the skills. Exactly. I actually had a funny story before we get started about yeah. the Linfield League. So we played uh, Landis Creek, of course, last Sunday. Uh, myself and uh, Big Stud Webb and. Uh, I was sitting there and I had, you know, my outfits always match and I had the, uh, the Twitch Inferno yellow hat, right, on. And uh, the dude next to me goes, oh, it's this guy wearing an Inferno hat. I bet you he plays softball. You play softball. And I was like, yeah. He goes, you want to play Linfield? And I was like, nope. Who was it? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Nice guy. Uh, he was a, an orange-haired fella. Um, had some tattoos on. Nice enough buff book. We sat there and talked. An orange-haired fella? <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I, did, I didn't catch his name. Um, but yeah, he was a nice enough guy, but yeah, like yeah, letter as like, nah, dude, I, I stink. Linfield's a good league. I heard it's, it, they have nice fields. Uh, you know, the teams are kind of dying off here and there, but I think it's just cause people are getting old. Man. Yeah. I mean, I'm getting old. I'm getting tired out. I, I used to go up there and play after work, uh, but getting there anymore is well, like too difficult. It's like 422 is like such a battle. That's what I said right away to him. I'm like, dude, I live in Bridgeport, so. For me to get up here by a seven o'clock game, like what time would I leave for? Because four twenty two is going to be ridiculous, and so twenty nine. So there's like no good way to get there at that time of day. Yeah, it's 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 brutal to get there. So I used to work up in Harleysville, but now since I've gotten my new job, I can't, I can't even I can't even make it there. It's not feasible to get there by six. Yeah, I think they start no at six six thirty or something. Like that. It, it's it's like possible. honestly impossible. So I agree with you. Yeah. Right, so let's let's start into the uh, the sports topic, and I know everybody's been waiting for today because I told everybody we we're going to leave with golf, and we are going to leave with golf. Brooks Kopka. Brooks Kopka wins the U.S. Open. Hey, let me ask you a question. Straight. How many how many people have done back to back on U.S. Open? It's been. I think the last time it happened was 1979, 1980. So T- Tiger never time. did it. Tiger never did it. No. So what's interesting about like the whole Tiger aspect and the whole like n- almost name brand aspect is so you know that I hate Tiger. Yes. But I want Tiger to. I almost want Tiger to win. Yeah, because so it's weird. So you hate him, but you actually want him to win because you want to see that drama going into the couple last couple holes. So there's a lot of that, but it's not the name brands that you want to say. No, I agree with you. And so I think what you have with Tiger, and it happens with like a lot of dynasties, right? Is you get the villain effect. Like you want him there, yeah, so that he can get beat at the end. Exactly. Like, yeah, and it's and golf's better I, when he is. But, but what's weird about it is I don't even want him to get beat. I actually kind of want to see him do it. Well, now now he, he it's so crazy how – and I want to talk about Alex Rodriguez in the same light. It's so crazy how <laughs> Tiger Woods has, like, molded himself from this, this cocky, you know, the best golfer in the world, deplorable figure with the women and his wife – but now, because he got hurt and he got so bad, and everybody felt bad for him. Now, all of a sudden, he's a sympathetic. Yeah, he's figure. almost like an underdog. Yeah, now, right? now all of a sudden, it's the big turn of fate that everybody wants him to win again when you used to hate him. It, I don't know if it's that for me, but I, I I saw myself sitting there at the end of the tournament and thinking, "Dude, how awesome would this be if Tiger was in it?" Yeah, no, I agree. Dalton was up there, right? DJ was up there. Like he's always going to be up there for the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, he's the best player in the world right now. But 
he's Brooks Kapka, you know, he's back to back US Open champion, right? But he's not the he's not the name brand that people are looking for. Uh, maybe he will be. No, is he, is he, is he, is he's he a young not, guy. He is, but he's not. I think he's actually he's seventh or eighth in the world. So people in the golf community know him, right? But here's the problem with him: he's not one of these big five guys right now. Yeah. And you know the big five: of it's course. DJ, Justin Thomas, uh, Jordan Spieth, Ricky Fowler, Rory McIlroy. Right? They're the 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 five young studs that Jason every, Day, dude. Jason Day, uh, he's Jason Day. He's a, a name, but he's not one of these big five guys that like everybody's watching. These big young American. I don't guys. know. I'm watching. Jason well, Day. Rory's not American. But. I'm watching Jason. Okay, Day. so we'll make it the big six. Yeah. I I think he's I think he's always in contention. Um, Justin Rose has always been talked about as a guy who's always in contention. Yeah, but he's been around for a long time. I know that, but you you don't necessarily have to be a young guy. No, be like the no, you want, guy. it's the name. It's the name, right? Like Phil. So can we talk about the Phil incident before, oh, yeah. before we talk about what yeah, I wanted to talk yeah. about? Can we please talk about it? All right. So for everybody that didn't watch, we're just going to talk about it real quick. But it was it was the last day, and Phil Phil barely made the cut, and so he's just hanging around. And we're going to talk about the conditions at Shinnecock. Uh, by the way, great name for a golf course, Shinnecock. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to talk about the conditions here, but he's on this green, and he's struggling, and he hits a butt, pan a hole, starts rolling down the hill, and it was one of the funniest things I've actually ever seen on a golf course. My man runs over and just Dude, like, so every the ball up the hill every, before it stops rolling. Every drunk person in the world that's ever golfed and gotten to hole number 16 and they're shooting awful has yeah. done the same thing. Yeah, I did it yesterday. I'm going to talk to you about the most egregious thing that I've ever, ever done in sports, okay? There was a time where I was super competitive about golf, and I, I was thinking that I was heading toward being a really, really good golfer. And we were getting down to one of the last holes. It was probably like 17, 16, 17. I missed a putt, and the ball was this far from the hole. And I go up to the hole, and I take a hack with my putter just to hit the, just to get the ball out of there. I was so upset, and I took it out. Two inches of green. No, from the hole, right at the hole. Just, just completely no. dug. I've never felt like a bigger idiot in my life. I felt like such a moron <laughs> that I kept apologizing to the foursome that I was with the entire, like the rest of the day. Even we went to dinner and stuff, went out and get drinks and stuff like that. But I was so competitive, I was so like angry about how I played that I took a swipe at the, oh, the hack green. That's bad. That's bad that's golf. Bad. That's real bad what golf. What Phil did was. It was kind of funny. It was funny. The outrage that it drew from like media members, I wanted to like smack him in the face. Some of them. He should be disqualified from this tournament. Dude, shut up. But you're, shut you're, your mouth. Listen, you're hearing from guys that are 100% life golfers, yes. right? That's all they do. It's like, all they care They about. respect the game. They study the game. That's all they do is just hawk golf, eat, breathe, sleep, golf. You know we're not we're not those guys. No, right? Actually, you you kind of are. I, but. I love golf, but I've I've just started got got into golf four years ago, so I'm not like a golf lifer to the point where that would bother me. And here's the thing I want to talk about with that. Like, there's this outreach for that, but I don't know if you saw the video where somebody from Barstool, you know, sees Sergio walking by, and he probably had a bad shot. Sergio didn't play well. Again. Sergio's kind of a dick, but sorry, Will. Uh, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm gonna curse again too because. The guy asked Sergio what Saturdays were for, and you know what he said? Fuck you in the ass. Whoa. <laughs> That's what come Sergio, on, man. That's what Sergio said, dude. He said that. And yet, how come no one's talking about his golf etiquette? I mean, the guy, all the guys was where Saturdays for. He wasn't heckling him. I'm sure he probably had a bad shot. But then he goes and says that crap. 
but then people care about Phil taking a two-stroke penalty on a green versus like Sergio cursing it. I actually heard a lot of like people were talking about how Phil's thing was a strategic thing. Well, <laughs> like like he he could have taken a drop or you know. Well, see, he would have his explanation was the best part, right? Because it's totally horseshit. Because he goes. Well, I didn't want to roll all the way down the hill and have to hit it from down there, so I just knocked it back up. But he would have knocked it back up one stroke, probably, instead of taking two. He he was just done, man. He was just done. All right, so so let's address where that comes from, okay? The fact that he was done. Let's talk about how that course was set up. Yes. And how the players reacted to how that course was set up. Yes. So the U.S. Open, his, it, it's notorious for being the most difficult tournament every year. That's correct. Right? So they make the greens insane. They make the, the pin placements insane. They make the rough insane. The rough was insane. Yes. Like you couldn't find anything. No, right off the, right off of the first cut, you, your ball was gone. And the crazy thing is, right, and because we talked about Brooks Kepka winning last year, last year they were very upset because guys dominated that golf course. And they were coming in at like minus 14 or minus 15 to win. Right. They didn't want that. In well, open. They've, had, they've had that. And they've also had the opposite. What we which, saw, which this we week. just saw it last week, which so, was so just, these these guys. It was almost like they were walking through Valley Forge Park, yes. like just trying to find their ball. Yes, right. So, what do you? How do you feel about that? How do you feel about the way the course is set up? So that's almost unplayable. Yeah. So I've always felt this way about golf courses in general, and I just. It's almost like if you ever play a resort course, I don't know if for any of us casual golfers, you play a resort course, they don't want you leaving the tight What's an setup. example of a resort course So um, trying to think of a resort course around here. Uh, well, So there's one up in North Jersey that's like the nice New Jersey public course. It's called Bally Ellen, and it's a resort course because if you leave the first cut, you're you're in grass high. Your ball's gone. And I'm talking about like this far off the fairway, dude. So like they don't want you leaving the field of play, and their fairways aren't particularly large either. So – that's what a resort course is typically set up. And actually, so we went and played one in Mexico a couple of years ago where it was a resort course. And literally, there were guys out on the course working who would have bags of balls and they would sell them to you 10 bucks because they know you're going to lose 20 balls out there. On the right. Resort so, course. like, what fun is that? It's not fun. So, when you have professionals that are doing this, it's, it's stupid to me. I, honestly, I mean, the thing that I hated about this course setup, when I saw the first day and they were showing some of the flybys of the holes, they're at these championship tee boxes and they need to carry. They need to carry 260, 270 in the air just to get to the front of the fairway. And you think, well, these are professional. They should all be able to do that. And that's true. But when you have to do that every time on a lot of these holes, one little errant kick and you're off the first cut, now you're screwed. Well, a lot of a lot of these guys, like I don't have a lot of sympathy for these guys because that's the typical stuff that regular golfers deal with all the time. It's why people get frustrated with golf. It's, it's actually what makes golf fun. A lot of times is how difficult it is to do. Yeah. So that once you actually get past a certain point and you're able to control your shots enough, you know, it's it makes it makes it more uh, satisfying. Oh, agree. That you, that you've worked at it, and so but these guys, they've actually this week they felt what other golfers usually feel right, right, and just usually general courses. Correct. And and the thing is, if you're doing that right, if you have a course that's tight on one aspect and long that's fine but then having the greens be set up like that yeah that the combination of that makes it ridiculous that's the most deadly thing right? that's right and the, the problem is so Rory McIlroy said this I listened to an interview that he did and he it made a lot of sense to me in that the way that the greens were set up it really was kind of luck the draw on where you went out and what group you got to play in because if you got to play in the morning on a Saturday when conditions were bad 
then you could possibly score. But everybody in the afternoon was screwed because once the, the greens got a little wet and they hardened up, there was nothing that you could stick. Nobody could make putts. And you guys putting up, you know, high 70s, low 80s. Right. And that was just luck of the draw. When you so got to go let out. me give you a 20 mile radius of where we are right now. What's the toughest? What do you think the toughest greens are around here? Toughest you, play, you play a lot of courses. I play a lot of courses around here. Um, so I'll tell you that the toughest course I think I played recently uh, was a couple weekends ago. I played Letterback for the first time. Letterback's a nice course. That's a very nice course. And I liked it a lot. It's very long. And the greens were really tough. Now, Josh had told us that Josh Surface, he got us on there. Thanks again, buddy. Um, cause his company is a, 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 like a sponsorship there or whatever. So judge group. We'll, yeah, the we'll judge put them out there. The yeah. judge group. So, but they were having a tournament there that day. So it was championship pin location. God bless. I mean, yeah. they were really, really difficult. So I have played letter rock. It's a really nice course. The, the fairways are beautiful. It's, like the fairways yes. are sponge. Yes. Right. That's the best thing to hit off of. Yeah. I, I always enjoyed, I played there probably, I don't know, four or five times when I was playing a lot. I don't play a lot anymore. I'm trying to get back into it so I can beat Jack. I will soon. Letter Rock is a really nice course, but it's kind of open. It's it, it's it more open. it's a more open long, course. Than it's open, but it's long. Jeffersonville is a really tough course. Jeffersonville, we just played on Saturday. Uh, the problem yesterday was rain. Like yeah. we got dumped on for a little bit, and then the conditions were let. So the thing about Jayville, uh, and it's designed by a famous uh, designer, Donald Roth, and they pulled out his designs when they redid the course 15 years ago. Thing is, that course is not long, but the way they cut their greens, talk about tough greens, tough approach shots, it's really hard to score well there. Yeah. You'll get up and down real quick, and then all of a sudden you're throwing up bogeys and sixes because you two putt or you, you couldn't chip on the green and say. So, Javel is a challenging course. Um, another nice course is Bella Vista, which is up in the letter act yes, area. That's a very nice there. course, very well kept. Yep. Uh, that's a tough course. Uh, I don't think the greens are really tough, but it is longer than most courses that people play around here. So I don't know if I played Bella Vista, but I've been on Bella Vista. My my wife's uh, uncle used to live on on the course there. Yeah, it's a really nice course. Nice course. Walked around a couple of times. Yeah, and so maybe maybe I jump on once or twice. <laughs> maybe, you night. know, who knows? And so yeah, I mean overall with the U.S. Open, I just think that problem that's that these courses are having is we talk about this with every sport, right? Guys are getting bigger, faster, stronger, and the equipment's getting better. They're making these courses just outrageously long, and the green's so tough. And it's just like, I, I wouldn't even. Would you want to play the course? Would Listen, you want to play Shinnecock? I think, I think for one tournament a year, these guys can be open to the craziness of the U.S. Open. I think that what they do with the course for the one time a year is fine. I'm oh, not, I have no problem with it. I, I'm okay and I, with it. I understand that the, these guys get upset with it, and they, you know, you see things like what Mickelson did get all upset and. That that was frustration. Yeah, right? that's all. We've all been there. We've all been there all times. So usually when it happens to me, I throw a club. You know what? <laughs> if that happens to Phil Mickelson once a year with his, what's he make fifty million dollars a yeah. year? I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lose sleep about it. Look, and I think it's a, it's a cool thing. I think it's the U.S. Open to be the toughest tournament, and for guys to actually fear that tournament and and not know what to expect. I think that actually um, makes it more interesting. I was I went to this weekend thinking, okay, who's gonna come out of this thing? Oh, that's what I, it was. It's because like a, leading up to it, you hear so much about how they prepared the yeah, course. Yeah. And it's a survivor. Like who can survive the course? Who can not blow up? Exactly. Yep. Exactly. I agree with you. So it's just it's one time a year and I don't have any problem with it. I'm not the the fact of oh, these guys are not scoring well. Well, you know what? They'll score well next week. Well, they're doing right now. They're doing right now at the Travelers. That's like, yeah, exactly. they're putting up 61s I don't and 62s because they're Travelers now, which is like the thing. So. so Ryan Duke played today. Didn't have a hole-in-one. So he didn't have a hole-in-one today. Did, no hole-in-one, Duke? Yeah. Ryan is a big-time golfer, so 
he uh he can he can check in and let us know Nick, you ever about. get a hole one i haven't man. i've been really close me too i've been really close before there's times where i actually thought that i got one yes i thought you it rolled in. in and you're like oh man i don't see the ball anywhere where's the ball where's the ball this far past yeah the hole. it's like 40 40 yards i turned i turned into a, i turned it into a boogie so yeah, I you know I, I want to get back and golf a little bit more. It was good to see the U.S. Open like challenge these guys because we've seen a lot of U.S. Opens where um, fifteen under, sixteen under. It's like the runaway. It's not even interesting. This was interesting coming down the stretch. Yeah, and, you know, for a guy for Kaka to, to actually win two in a row, very impressive. Put someone map right. I mean, oh, he's man. now going to be one of the guys that you look at and you oh, look yeah. for in the hunt. Yeah, who who's one of your guys that you? you like to to watch but they're never really you know they're they're there sometimes sometimes they're not who's like some of your favorite golfers well so i'm gonna go right to ricky because he's my favorite golfer and the thing about ricky he never won the big one yet because what i heard and it was a good analysis of ricky is ricky chases with the best of them so when he's down and he's chasing down the leader he's good but in tournaments where he comes out playing well and has to front run he falls apart and he yeah. can't he can't hold it so i'm always rooting for ricky to get over the hump um you know i i sort of adopted some of ricky's uh stylings on the course if you've ever seen any of my golf outfits some ricky guy um oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm trying to think of who else who else would I, one of my guys is uh i've always liked this guy i don't know why i think he was because he was sponsored by waste management but charlie hoffman charlie hoffman charlie, charlie hoffman can make any shot on the course. He's a big golfer. He's re- like he can make any shot on the course. He shows like these flashes of brilliance. He's he's so good, and he's actually carried, um, you know, leads into Saturday and stuff like that. But he's he, he can never really like hold on to. Yeah, he always wears that green glove. I like it. Charlie Hoffman is one of my favorites. <laughs> always had the the, the flowing locks. Yeah, with the, he's it, great. The back. Um, another guy that's kind of faded. And I haven't heard anything from Camilo Vegas. Whoa! Remember him? I do, dude. He remember the spider move that he used to, he used to get down and like, wow, uh, yeah. He was one of my favorites. Fell off, and he just disappeared, right? Yeah. yeah, he did. He did. Anthony Kim disappeared. Yep. Anthony Kim was one of my favorite guys. Yep. I actually, so so I went down to uh, there was the I don't know if it was the AT and T tournament um, down, down at Aronimek. Yeah. I was there every single day, so yeah. I studied these guys. I was there. For practice rounds, I was there yep. for the pro am. I was there for everything. By the way, talk about a beautiful course. How beautiful! Aronimic. I actually liked Aronimic. So I was I went to Marion as well when they had the U.S. Open. Yeah, I liked Aronimic I, more dude, than I liked that first Marion. hole of Aronimic when you're out the back deck there. Yes. and the tee box and the, the drops. hole goes uh, drops up. Dude, that's a beautiful hole. I would love. I wish I can play that. I would. That, I want to play that course one. Day. Unbelievable course. I walked the entire thing like I don't know 10, 15 times just following certain guys. Yeah. The guys that I followed were Anthony Kim, Camilla Vijay. I followed uh, uh, Vijay was there when I, you know, this is back this is in like, 2013, yeah, this is five six years but ago. Really, I think the guy that won it was Webb Simpson. I think Webb Simpson won it, but I followed a lot of these guys and just a couple guys that I liked the the style of play, you know, the risk taking and kind of uh, um, the different shots that they. You really don't understand the shaping of shots. No. They, you, they talk about shaping shots. You really don't understand it until you see it there, and you're right behind the guy as he shoots to see what he's going for. It's kind of it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, it is. It's what really they cool. Can do. It's really cool, and you do hear commentators talk about it, right? Like you'll hear them square up over a ball, and he say he wants to hit a little left to right fade here. Right, and, 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 and on TV you have no idea yeah. what that means. Yeah, and the ball tracker helps a little now, with yeah. it, but, but it's hard. You can't see it unless you're there. So speaking of Aronimink, the BMW is coming to Aronimink in, I think, a couple months. It's, it's the last FedEx Cup event 
So it's going to be like the top 80 guys playing. Yeah. So we're all going to go down and do uh Maybe we can get a live BMW. show. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we get a live show down there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you keep wearing those sunglasses, I think probably. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I got hit in the I got hit in the eye with a rock uh, doing weed whacker today, so I'm keeping the sunglasses on. All right, so let's move on to the World Cup. I know you were excited to talk about oh, World Cup. Yeah. So, you know, I'd be honest, all right? No. I'll be very honest. No. I, <laughs> very honest. With the U.S. not being in the World Cup, and no Italy either, so like no – I kind of was like, I want to watch the World Cup. Who am I going to root for? I've been thoroughly, thoroughly entertained by the World Cup, man. Okay. Seriously. All right. But who, like, why? Okay. What, what draws you into it? So, not a big soccer guy. Because I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what I think of the World Cup and what the World Cup has done for me over the last couple of days is I tune in and I guess I get like a nice 15-minute nap. <laughs> you fall asleep to World I Cup? I swear to God, dude. <laughs> I, and I'm not an anti-soccer guy. I'm really not an anti-soccer person. I, I always like the World Cup. I always used to get excited about the World Cup. I loved it when, especially when the U.S. was in it. But there's there's a problem with the World Cup. It's once every four years, so you get that Olympic feel. Yes. So there's other like, okay, so we talked about the Olympics when the Olympics were on back uh, when it was winter, yeah. And we talked about curling, how awesome, awesome curling yeah. is, right? Yeah. yeah so, so we haven't talked about curling or thought about curling no. since since what? Since February, it, and we at won't. least, yeah. So it's kind of the same feel. Everybody gets the soccer fever here for a, a, a month and then it goes away why why don't they do the world cup every year well, why, they, why can they not do that because so if they really want to build soccer up and people really want to get into soccer they should have it every year and they should have every country in it that wants to get in it it shouldn't be a qualifying thing the u.s not being in it is such a huge damper on soccer in the u.s for for kids like there's so many kids out there that play soccer, right? Yeah. But it it's never gonna go anywhere because after they get out of middle school, it's not cool to play soccer anymore. I, I mean, just flat out. Was cool back then? I don't remember. Soccer is cool. so, soccer is so much fun to play, dude. I hate it. I played soccer in seventh eighth grade. It's so much fun to play. I loved it. I used to look forward to every game playing. See, I just hated playing soccer. Why? I was I was very good at it, and it just wasn't very fun to me. I thought it was so much fun to play, but you can't get into it because you can't relate to anything. You gotta go. You gotta go online and watch guys that are playing Barely. six hours ahead of you, yeah. and, and find you know wake up at three in the morning to watch games that are relevant. It's not. It's not worth it, man. Like the two guys right now that are just completely taking over soccer, and it's the it's the new MJ LeBron bait. It's the uh, Messi, Messi and, Ronaldo. and Ronaldo debate. Ronaldo's obviously Ronaldo's killing, killing it right, right now. now. But you know what? Messi's been one of the best players of all time. Yeah. But but there's there's marketable guys in soccer. Like, this thing is marketable. Why can they not get to the U.S.? The MLS is not getting it done. I don't no. know what it is. I don't know if it's the, the pay structure. I don't know if it's the um, – I, I, I can't tell you. Well, I it's like it I think it's like this. So, when Rooney's actually coming over to play MLS this year, but he's still on the tail end of his yeah, career. Rooney's like, well, how old is he? Well, he's, out, he's not that old. He's 32. He's got a lot. He's like, – Ronaldo's 31, but Ronaldo's in great shape. Wayne Rooney's sort of, you know – like a partier, and, and he's he's got some extra miles yeah. on his tires. He's more a me thirty-two, uh, yeah, yeah, than a, than a Christian than a Ronaldo underwear model. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so I think the problem with the MLS is that piece they get all the stars late in their career. Late, like they're not. You would hope that they we could get some of these stars to come over earlier. And like the U.S. stars like Clint Dempsey didn't play in the MLS to the end of his career. He played in the Premier League because he was a good enough player to play in the Premier League. Right. Listen, so 
you know, the U.S. stars are going to go play in a Premier League. It's like NBA what, compared to European leagues. The I best think, leagues are in Europe and then switch for, like, NBA. I have no idea how it works with the Premier Leagues and La Liga and things like that, but I know they're humongous. Oh, my God, yeah. So why how, – how in the U.S. – how in the U.S. can you not put some kind of team together to get into La Liga or get into the EPL? Like That's a good question, actually. Like, I know it's the European Premier League. I get it. It's European. But – you think that they would make some some workarounds so that they can build in a U.S. market base right. and build some yeah. revenue from the U.S. side of things. Like, even if it's one or two teams. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So how many teams are in the EPL? Oh, there's a lot. They have three different levels in the EPL. So because the top, you have the top level, and then what happens every year is the two bottom teams from the top level get demoted to the second tier, and the second tier teams that's come a, up. Well, we're already talking about goofy stuff. They that's do a lot of goofy that's stuff. That's what they do. There's so many teams, I, I, like I West Ham United. I know, that, and they need to get that stuff together because the, the sport itself has a couple flaws, let's be honest. The the fact that we don't know when it begins and ends is ridiculous. It never ends. Like, we, we don't know what, what injury, basketball. There's, like, injury time, and <laughs> it's ninety. It's between, like, 93 yeah, and 95 minutes. minutes. Like, nobody knows, really. So yeah. there's, there's a flaw there, like, just to be flat out with it. I still think it's exciting. I get I. I have watched the World Cup and been excited, but this year in particular, the fact that the U.S. cannot muster enough, I don't know, talent to even get into the thing is ridiculous well, he, to me. Here, all right, let's talk about that real quick. Here's my problem with it, and I said this from the beginning. So I watched a bunch of World Cup games so far, and the team that I watched was Saudi Arabia, okay? And that team's horrible. Like, the U.S. beat that team 5 nothing. They didn't score a goal throughout their three games, yet somehow – they got to get in because they were playing in a weaker like area of the world, right? And only a certain amount of teams from that area qualify. And then the U.S. having to deal with a lot of the Latin American teams, very good, were unable to qualify. Which again, to me, is really stupid because Saudi Arabia stinks, and they're not World Cup caliber team. Whereas the U.S. was, but they just had the tougher qualifiers to get through. So why why do they even bother doing the qualifiers? Why do they even bother with that? Why don't you just get your team together, come out and play? Well, because so because of the fact that the U.S. and Italy didn't make it this year, they're actually expanding the field. So if Italy, for, if Italy doesn't make it, what are they doing over there? Yeah. Like, what's going on I mean, over they there won it. They won it eight years ago, and then they can't make it this year. I just think it should be a, a yearly thing, man. It's just really annoying so to me that it's so spread apart. Well, it's sort of a bi-yearly thing because they have the World Cup, and then in two years they'll have the World Championships, which are basically the World Cup. But who knows? In those two years, think of how you – think of how you – uh, as a golfer or as a softball player or as whatever athlete you've done, how have you changed in two years? Oh, I agree with you. And so, so your team in two years, it's not your team. in no, here, here's what you started with is not what you end with well, in two years. Here's a perfect example to where your point holds a lot of weight. So I was actually watching a lot of world cup today. Okay. And I watched an awesome game earlier. It was Japan Senegal. It was two, two. It was an up and down game and it was awesome. I watched it. And I loved it. It was really good. Did you wake up early? No, that was the late. That was the second game. That was the late game. Um, but then after that, there was another game on that wasn't very good. Um, team won three, nothing. I forget the teams. Uh, I can't remember, but then they put the MLS on right after it. <laughs> and I, I watched like two minutes and turned it off. Uh, I'm they, like, this they, is did that, they did it today. Yeah. So I tried to watch today. Columbia and, uh, it was, that was it. That was a game that Columbia won three, nothing. They beat, uh, uh, they knocked out Poland. They knocked Poland I'm out. not even into it though. Yeah. Uh, that game wasn't great. I mean, Columbia was very good. Uh, there's some other games I want to talk about that I really like. The Spain Iran game, Iran surprised me. Playing, keeping up with Spain, they almost tied it. They had a goal called back for all sides. It was I'd pretty much cool. rather watch the College World Series. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, 
that's another story. Um, oh, what do you, let me ask you this. What? Let me ask you this. Yeah. The English team's doing very well, yeah. right? Did you see the celebration video that they put up on Barstool about the English celebrating a goal? No. How awesome would it be to be like an English fan at a pub when they're playing at the pub? Gonna go to the pub. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like the English won six nothing today. That's they're what going they do nuts. though. So, so that's the reason I asked what is what is Italy doing right now? Because what what is going on in Italy in sports that they can't qualify? That they can't qualify, no, and it, it must be so lame there. Right <laughs> yeah, like no, like it, they must be very depressed. Because in England, that's what they that's what they do. They they watch soccer and they. That's all they, they have in, as far as sports go, right? Oh, yeah. Soccer, and that's it. There's well, a couple, it's football. There's a couple of weird sports over there. I'll tell you about that. Cricket. Uh, they have you know, hurling. They hurling. have, they have wood bowling. I'm telling, I'm telling you. I know a lot of stuff about England and Ireland and stuff like that. But I, what are they doing? What are they doing besides watching that? Like, that's their – this is their oh, yeah. main main the event Brits, of the entire year. The British for are sports. coming. They're going crazy over there, man. So – I haven't watched it. I haven't watched it. So who are your teams that are getting to the finals? Well, sorry. So here's the thing. You've seen, you seem to have I've watched, watched a, lot a lot of it. So here's – I'm rooting for Argentina selfishly because I pulled them in a work pool. They're the best team that I pulled in the work pool. Odds-wise, Argentina. Okay. That's messy. But no, they, they're out. They're not out yet. They need to win tomorrow, and they can still stay in. Really? They Or sorry, Tuesday they play. Yeah, they have they – have, one point right now. They have a loss, a tie. But in the group, if they win tomorrow, there's a good chance they'll still make it. So I'm really interested. Who that listens to the Front Hill podcast really cares about soccer? Because I know Wynn doesn't. Win, no, Wynn doesn't listen to the podcast. That's the problem. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's a good question, actually. I think a lot of people are into soccer, man. Cahill says soccer things. Well, yeah, of course he does. He just wants to talk about, like, Mickey Mantle and shit all day. Dude, we can't talk We're going to talk about that. Cause, uh, and Chioni was on, so he sent that. Like, I saw that earlier, too. He sent that. Um the best thing about soccer, the, the my biggest problem with watching it, honestly, is the flopping is real, dude. Oh, the flopping is every real. Forty-five seconds. It's like this, and the guy just floor. like throw like, oh, and they lay there. You know what cracked me up? Either they come out with a stretcher, which is like outrageous. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually hilarious. Yeah, like take them out. It's like a cartoon, or, dude. They come out with like a back teen spray, um, and they like spray on the ankle, like the <laughs> <laughs> little back teen, bro. Like get, get out of here. That, that I can't take it with the flopping. That dude. is pretty funny. It's so bad. Yeah. But aside from that, I've really enjoyed the World Cup. Aside from the flopping, that's thanks. Um, but yeah, so it's I, thanks. They should do it every single year if they want to get actual. If they want to get the U.S. involved, and let's let's be honest, from a marketing perspective, from a revenue perspective, they should get the U.S. involved in soccer, and they should have it every year because people do get amped up for this. Oh my God, yeah. People in the U.S. when the U.S. team is playing actually get amped up for yeah, this. Yeah, well, there's no, I mean, when the and U- there's so many kids that play soccer. Yeah, with there the are US, so many kids. The U.S. not in it. It really takes away from casual fans. I mean, we do a sports podcast, so I was sort of watching it just to kind of talk about it, but. Yeah, you're going to lose a huge, huge portion of the American casual fan because there's no red, white, and blue flying around out there. No old glory, bro. <laughs> I agree with you. I, I think they should do it on a year basis. I, I don't I don't like the fact that the team you start with is not the team you end with uh, when you qualify. Stupid. I agree. Well, we're not gonna have that problem for the next World Cups and drafting all those teams, but that'll be that'll be something else. Let's start with the NBA draft. You ready? That's pretty good. 
So the NBA draft just happened on Thursday. A uh, lot going down. And I didn't want to go through like a full analysis uh, because there's so many players that get picked, and the NBA draft is a lot different than the NFL draft. But there are – I do want to talk about the top guys and then some other notable guys. So I got the list here, um, and I want to get your thoughts on these players as well on the team. So let's start at the top. The Suns had the number one overall pick, and they took DeAndre Ayton, the center from Arizona. Yes. Absolute monster. Dude's a beast. Um, my only criticism of him overall is I don't think he has a super high ceiling. And then the question becomes, like, with the way the league is now, can you really build around a big man? You know, it more it seems to be more of a guard German league. Well, I don't know if the, I don't know if that's their plan is to build around him. I think they already have a piece in place. They got they can build around, yeah. right? Devin Booker is the piece to build around, but I, he's already he's already been kind of uh, creating waves there that he wants to get wants to get out. Yeah, because he needs talent. He needs talent around him. What I see from Aiton is, I see a super talented kid that you you can actually. If you have those two pieces, him and Booker, if Booker, if you can keep him there and maybe make a trade or two, you become not the laughing stock of the league, but you become middle of the pack. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think. And I'm thinking like, I'm, I'm even thinking two years down the road. Yeah. Because I don't see, even with eight and I don't, I don't even see them getting up to the top, top of the. Well, the remember, pressure. they're in the West, which seems to be a little bit tougher. Well, yeah, there's two. That's that's my whole thing with the NBA draft is it doesn't matter who you draft, we know who's going to be there next year <laughs> yeah, it's already, true. right? There's, well, depending on there, where, depending on LeBron goes. We well, listen, there is nobody, there is nobody, not a single person in this draft that is going to change a team, no. turn a team around, and bring them up to be talked about into the category of the Golden States, the Houston's, the um, the. Oh, let's not, Celtics, we're not going to say the Cavaliers. Yeah, wherever anymore. LeBron plays next Celtics, year. Celtics, Sixers, right. era. No, like, not. We're, we're not going to talk about that because there's nobody in this draft that is revolutionary like that. No, no, you're right. And actually, it sort of goes back to how you have to get lucky. If you go back and look at number one overall picks or look at drafts overall, like, do you remember when the Sixers had two? It was the John Wall year, and we had to take Evan Turner second because yes. the draft was just out of Ohio State. And he was the consensus number two. Right. But he, just, he actually turned into a decent player. Well, so he's doing okay. I'm actually going to use him as a comparison when we talk about a guy later because I have a theory about these four year college guys that yeah. I want to get into. Okay. Um, but, so we'll come back to that. But yeah, you're right. And it, it's just a shame that this year doesn't have your Ken Durant, your LeBron James, your Kyrie Irving, right? Like your John Wall, these, these, your Ben Simmons, these cornerstone guys that you know are going to be stars. And I agree with you. I don't think that's there, except there may be one guy in this draft, and who I think is the best player. So let's, let's go through the first couple picks because we're going to get to them quick. So the second pick was for the Kings. They took Marvin Bagley, the four from Duke. No surprise. No surprise. Um, there's a lot to love about Bagley. He's a high-energy guy. He's a great scorer. Uh, he's big. He's long. He can shoot. He can dribble. The only question for him is what? All right, let me stop here. Everybody that they talked about after every single pick, this guy's long. He's got a wingspan the size of, you know, who cares? That was everything. Yeah. Everybody, everybody you draft is going to have that. Yeah. Like, do we not realize this yeah. at this point in the NBA draft that everybody that goes into the NBA is, is a freak? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Everybody's an insane athlete coming out of college as a freshman most of the time. Yes. Right? So we all know this guy's got a big wingspan. I get it. 
That was okay. Obama, the seven foot ten oh wingspan God. Obama. I didn't hear about another wingspan. It was ridiculous. Yeah, I so mean, I agree with you there. We all know Bagley. We all know he was going to come out second. There was there was one or two picks in this draft that were really interesting, like that that could change a team or could contribute to a team. I agree with you. Like, and the next pick is one of them. So Donchich. that's right. That, so, that's it. That, that was my big yes. thing. I was looking at this kid. He's 19 years old, right? He's got he's hiring. He's an MVP in this. He's Spanish been playing league. professionally since he was 13. He's unbelievable. I think he's the best player in the draft. Do you? I do. I think. I mean, I've watched a ton of his videos, like his highlights. Right. He is legit. I mean, he's a big guard who can ball handle, score. He's athletic enough. So I I think he's the best player in the draft. So the Hawks picked him. But the Mavs traded up for his rights. That's the other thing about the NBA draft. These kids go up there, they put their hats on, they talk about how how happy they are to get drafted yeah. by an organization. Yeah. And then literally, a minute later, they're in like three different other cities. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I don't I, I don't know why the NBA does it the way they do. It all seemed to happen on that night. Yeah. Why is it so different than the than NFL? Like NFL. Yeah, because, because we're also tuned into NFL. Yeah. And obviously it's a it's a different sport. Obviously NFL's got uh, you know 50 some guys on a team. Right. These guys have 10 guys on team. That's right. But why why such movement so, so quickly? It's, it's a good question and I I have a couple of threes on that. I'm you're a good straight man. So <laughs> I to get that. <laughs> I don't think we got a show where I have it. So the first piece is, I think in the NBA, what happens is, because of the point about the, there being fewer and fewer players, you really target a guy, but you don't want other teams to know that you're targeting a guy. Mm-hmm. Where in the NFL, right, like we traded down, we trade down with the Cowboys and Giants in division all the time just because it's a lot of moving pieces and you have so much more that you need to fill on NFL roster. Where in the NBA, it's very secretive. The Celtics and Sixers whole deal last year, like faults, you're trying to fleece guys, you're trying to move picks, you target a guy. And you want to make sure you can get him, but you don't want other teams to know that you want to get him because he may come off the board before you get there. And clearly, the Mavs had targeted Doncic, and they were hoping that Aiton Bagley went one two, so they could may move up and grab him. And that's exactly what happened. If they had to wait, because there's a possibility that he could have went one or two, and then paying the price to move up even another slot is so much more expensive in an NBA draft because the difference between one and four or three in an NBA draft, as we know here in Philly. Is leaps and bounds, right? So then, why don't we just jump right into it? Why don't we just jump right into what happened with the Sixers? You want to talk about the Sixers? Yeah, because you know, if people want to hear about who got drafted, where, and well, when, I did, and, I did want to talk about the guy that got traded for the Hawks Mavs deal. Yeah. I think he's interesting too, yeah, Trey yeah. Young. So Trey Young went right. five to the Mavs, and he was in the deal for Luka Doncic. So Trey Young, as everybody knows, is a guard from Oklahoma. The dynamic kid, the, the pulling up from Steph Curry type range. He had a real roller coaster. Season. He did, and so I mean, I think for the Hawks to take a shot on a guy like him because he does have a lot of upside, right? I mean, he's got a ridiculous range. He's obviously great with the ball and can develop. And if he works hard, you know, obviously the easy comparison is to Steph because of where he pulls up from and where he can make those shots. But is he a project to you? Yeah, he's half a project. So if you're the Hawks, do you want a project? You do if you're the Hawks because you stink and you're going to keep stinking. So yeah, you so want you a project. you want a project? Yeah. I disagree with you. You want a project. I disagree with you 100%. The Hawks have stunk for so long and they've actually tanked. They're tanking now the way that the Sixers have for so many years. 
you need to get guys in there that are ready to go. But, all right. So here's why, here's why if you're the Hawks, you want a project because look at what they did. They traded the third pick who I think is NBA ready now and who could be an all-star in two years. Luka Doncic, Trey Young, who's a project and an extra pick because they know they're going to stink next year. So they're going to let the kid. So where's that pick? What, what pick is that? The Mavericks pick, well, we won't know. Depends on how big the Mavs are, right? But it's a first-round pick, and the Mavs could be bad again, and that could be a really good pick. The fact that these picks get moved around, and even in the first round in the NBA, if you don't have a top-five pick, it's it's such a crap. It's even a crapshoot in the top five. Oh, 100%. So it's such, it's such, a, uh, it's such an unknown. So if, you, if I'm Hawks and I've stunk for so long, I don't. I do not want a project. I want to bring people in that are ready to play and that can contribute and like that I know, or at least I I have studied and I'm uh, on board with bringing them in. But I think I think what's happening in the NBA now is they realize that one guy doesn't get it done, and so they're setting themselves up. So this year they get Trey Young, and then they'll have another good pick next year, and then maybe the Mavs no, good pick. No, so they're trying to multiple no, guys in there did, before they get better. What they did is they said this guy's comp is Steph Curry. This guy's gonna be Steph Curry, and just like. Steph Curry turned the Warriors around. They said, oh, why wouldn't Trey Young turn us around? It's three-point league now. Trey Young shoots the three well. You can't do that. You can't just say, this guy looks and feels like Steph Curry in college. He's going to be Steph Curry. Steph Curry is, is an unbelievable player. He's a two-time MVP. I mean, he's an all-timer. He, uh, he's the best shooter of all time. You can't, just, you can't just throw all your hopes and dreams to a kid that shot well in college, not very well in college, I, I get comp. I understand it, what he could be, what his ceiling is. But you also have to realize the floor. So the floor is probably down here. He could he could stink. I agree. So he could, I agree wholeheartedly. He, he could totally he definitely stink. He could totally lay, lay an egg. Oh yeah. You no, know, so no, that, I totally agree such, with you. It's such a risky move for them it too. Is, but I like it. When you have a guy like Doncic who you know he's in. He's coming in from another league. He is an MVP already in that league. Oh yeah. He's 19 years old. His ceiling is much higher. His floor is much higher. Yes. That's where you look at the floor. Now getting an extra pick. Okay, I get it. That's a nice piece. You want to build, but uh, you know. So here's the problem. You, is Trey Young a guy that you're gonna build your franchise around? Yeah. See, here's the problem. So on one part of this, we actually agree, and it's because of the player they gave up. Because I just told you, I think Luka Doncic is a better player in the draft. So I would not have given. I don't necessarily. I don't necessarily agree with that. I he's the most interesting. I, I like think, him a lot. I think he's going to be the best. That's why I think he's the best player in the draft. That's my opinion. Okay. Preliminarily, right? So I wouldn't have personally given him up for Trey Young in a first round pick if I'm Hawks, only because I think he's a transcendent type player. However, if you're Hawks, I disagree with your take on you can't do that. I feel like in the NBA you can because I feel like you want to either be really, really bad in the NBA, like awful bad, or you know take off and be on your web with three stars. And so you got to start somewhere trying to get a star. And so this is a kid who could be a star in three or four years. And then they gather more assets to where they get a couple more of these kids together. And hopefully in three or four years, they get good. If it doesn't work out, they're, I mean, they're not going to get over hump anyway. That's the thing with the NBA. That's what these super teams have done to the NBA. Ten years ago, you would say, that's a bad thing. You don't want to take these huge upside projects and hope they better or else you always stink. But now, you want to stink. If you're not going to be good, you don't want to be middle of the road in the NBA. Then you're just going to be stuck there forever. I get from the point of hoarding assets so that you can trade for things and you can move things to get that superstar player. The Hawks are so far away right now. 
But you also need to take into account, okay, maybe Doncic is, is going to be that guy that you can build around. And maybe he's the guy that will draw in um, free agents. Maybe he's that guy that you can start start something. Like yeah. You have to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. I don't think Trey Young's the, the place to start. So, I and do on that think point, that we he's, agree. he's such a project. And here's the bottom line. The Hawks aren't doing anything for the next couple of years. No. And neither are the Mavericks. Nope. And neither are any team you list on there that's not the Warriors, Rockets, Celtics, Sixers, right? Nope. Or wherever LeBron goes. Yeah, or LeBron. Goes. If LeBron, if they, you know, if they if they decide a team under the Lakers, let's put the Lakers in there. Yeah. So that's another thing that I wanted to get into with Sixers pick and how they went about. Okay. Let's talk about. All right. So they did make they did make a trade let's, as well. Yes. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about two things that happened here right near the Sixers pick. So I want to, the one thing Noah want to say here is, right, at nine, the Knicks take Kevin Knox, which is fine, and he's probably going to be a decent player. But Michael Porter Jr., who at the start of last year, before he hurt his back in Missouri, was a top three player, and he's a top three talent. I think outside of Dondich, he's probably going to be the best, the second best player out of this draft, or he has the, the second highest ceiling, let's say, maybe the highest. But he was also the most he was the the most risky pick. Correct. He's risky. So, he's played about a half hour of college basketball. Maybe less. Right. Yeah. So that's the thing that you're looking at. Right. So and, but once you start to get down into that nine ten range is where the risk was worth the reward, right? Like I, I agree with risk you. for the biscuit at, at that point. I agree with you. And I wouldn't have been mad if the sisters took him. No, me either. And frankly, I kinda was hoping that they did, but they didn't, and they took Mikel Bridges, right? Small Ford Villanova. And when you, I think where you want to go with this is when you look at what the Sixers need now, right? Because we expect them to be very good next year. They need another shooter, which he is. And they need another sort of wing perimeter defender, which he is. But then they trade him. And it was a weird deal because they got Zaire Smith, who is probably the biggest project in the draft. And he's another one of these long athletic wing guys. So... It's sort of baffling to me why they would do that. It's not baffling. It's a signal. It's a, it's a signal that Brett Brown sent to everybody in Philadelphia. And it is the push to for, Kawhi for, Leonard. For, oh, I was going to say the king, but no. it's for Kawhi. Well, yeah, it, it all ties in, right? It is the push to get Kawhi Leonard first. That is step number one in, in, in making this thing happen. So they trade, they trade Bridges, they get Smith, and they get that Miami 2021 uh, pick, pick, which seems like a million years away, but it's not. And it's going to be a very valuable pick. And, and why is that? Because in 2021, that's when the hope is that it will be open to high school drafts. You can draft kids at high school again. I think it'll probably like be sooner than to. that. Yeah. So that's the hope here. That's I think that's where this thing was heading when they when they went ahead and made this this uh, trade was that okay we're gonna make a push for Kawhi it's a, it's a, we need to put we need to put all of our assets together it's a book this clear, will be right? it, this will be included in that and this is this is gonna be a huge huge risk because Kawhi is on a one year there's no no guarantees afterward and the hope is that if you pull him over and you have Ben Joel Kawhi that you can pull over LeBron with that. And the fact that you will try to get him to stay here for the next couple of years. This is the only reason that that makes sense. That this move makes sense. And this is the only reason why I was not upset with this pick. 
because obviously we have the whole movie scene, right? That Mikel Bridges is right. from Philadelphia and his mom works for Great the Sixers. Like it's the nicest story ever. I get it. It's yep. such a sweet story. You know, it, that doesn't matter. This is nobody cares about that when they're making moves as a as a general manager. No, I totally agree. It's totally business. And for him to get moved and people to be upset, like I get it, but you also have to see the upside of it. If if they can get it done. Right. And it's such an if. Like there's there's still so there's still so many things that can go wrong with this thing. Absolutely. But we I saw yesterday a lot of articles that came out that the push is being made to get Kawhi here. Right. And there's obviously those links to Brett Brown. Oh yeah. Back to San Antonio. Oh yeah. Then and those conversations have happened. Don't don't think that they have. Oh no, absolutely. The conversations with Pop and Brett Brown happened oh, to get this thing done. 100%. So maybe it's a certain thing where he talks to him. He says, you know, what guys do you want? Um, Zaire Smith is a project. He's somebody we're looking at. You know, and Popovich has. When they came out and they said that Zaire Smith is his comps are why there there were comps like his athleticism and his oh he's, defense he's, is Kawhi. He's not a bad player, and like I said he's got huge upside. But I'm saying like his his projections and his comps are like his, yeah. his ceiling is Kawhi, right? right? Which is it's absurd to say of that. Of course, it's completely just like, unfair. Just like saying Trey Young's ceiling is Steph Curry. It's co- it's, yeah, it's completely unfair to say that. Right. But you know what that the, that name came out. Oh yeah. When they when after they made the trade, Brett Brown Brett Brown came out and said it. So I I like what you're cooking because basically. You're saying that they put these people, they got these, they got the asset, they got the player because they're almost preparing their offer sheet for Kawhi. A hundred percent. To what they already know the Spurs are going to want. A hundred percent. Because why would you, why would you trade down for a pick? You're the Sixers, right? You're making a push now. You almost made the Eastern Conference Finals this year. Yeah. Why would you make a push for another, uh, 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 another project that's two here. years away. Yeah, another and like, a project. What's here. the point of doing that? I agree with you're you. You're not continuing the process. You're what you're trying to do is build assets so that you can move them to get the free agents in here. And even his press conference afterwards, we're star hunting, right? Oh yeah, we're star hunting. Everybody's star hunting, right? Why would he not want to come here? I I don't see any reason why he wouldn't. We've I mean, talked about this. We we've talked about a couple different locations. What came out was that he's he's set on LA. He's like set on LA. But let me ask you a question. Let me just ask you a question. Why is it that LA gets thrown in here with all these guys? What what does LeBron have to do with going to the Lakers? Well like why does, does Kawhi have to do with going to the Lakers? Okay. Why is it that all these guys get tied into LA? Because let's be honest, the Lakers roster sinks. Because it starts with Paul George, right? Who, by the way, I think is vastly overrated. Paul George? Yes. No. I don't think he's as good as he's built up. To don't be. don't take this year as I don't take this year. I just don't think he's that great. Look what your boy, Mister Luder Naride himself, Victor Oladipo did on the same team that Paul George did it on. Listen, don't don't take this year him playing with Westbrook as him being overrated because he didn't do as much as he should have this year, and he still had a good year. The it all starts with him. So the super team, the super team era continues, right? Yes. So don't think that these guys aren't talking. If Paul George makes the move and he goes over to L.A., which right. now, I don't know, it's still up in the air. It's looking like Oklahoma's trying to make a push to keep him there. Yeah, but but he says he's leaving. And that's the place. If he leaves, that's where he's going to go, to L.A. Kawhi, obviously, already is up to go L.A. There, that's the draw for LeBron, right? So do you think you get the two guys in there, they, they, move, they move Lonzo, 
They have to. They have <laughs> I can't, to. Can you see those guys it's coming in there with LeVar there? It is a joke. Like, no way, dude. It is no a, way. It's a joke, the fact that this guy's dad is, like, pushing for his two younger sons. He's making music videos. He's making Foot locker commercials. Oh God, it's ridiculous. Well, it's an way, embarrassment. Well, LaMelo can play. That kid grew, like, four inches, and he's, like, really good. Which one? The youngest one. I don't want anything to do with. Well, I don't either. I'm just saying the kid can play. I don't want anything really to do good. with those kids. I don't care. I mean, they're not. They're not the next. The bar show is such a joke, dude. No. Circus. So that that if that all goes away, and they can move him, they can move him. If they can get him out of there, that's a good roster. Oh yeah. I, I mean, geez. if you put those three guys together, that's a championship roster. And Kuzma and Ingram, that's a ridiculous roster. Yeah. Right. Very good. But, so, but that's even more wishful thinking than the Sixers making a play for Kawhi with having to get three guys to come in. It is and it isn't because it's LA. So the, I don't see I don't, wishful thinking. Wishful thinking in LA is more reasonable than wishful thinking to Philly. Well, yes, but Philly already has two legit guys. That's the, the it's not actually wishful thinking because who doesn't want to come play with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid? Now I heard a couple things about uh, the amount of time with the ball. Ben has to play with the ball, obviously, uh, to make things happen. We talked a lot about if LeBron actually wants to play off the ball. And that's really going to determine a lot of things. Yeah. I mean, because it is true. I mean, Ben's a ball-dominant player. He needs to have the ball in his hands to make things happen. Yes. And we're not even talking about – we're not talking about his shot, but even to make – even to, to set up the assist that he does and to, um, to, to actually bring out his entire potential as, as that point yes. guard. Yes. I mean, the strength of his game is ball handling all time. Right. But – on the flip side of that, I do think that LeBron wants to give up the ball-dominant part of his career to extend his career now. Where he is, I think he wants a guy like Ben that he believes in, that he will defer to only sometimes, right, for ball-dominating and setting the offense up and LeBron will play off more because it's going to let him prolong his career. He can't keep doing what he did this year in Cleveland. Well, and that's us looking at it from the outside in, right? So we don't know if that's the way he actually feels about it. It makes sense to us for him to do that. But who knows? For him, it might, it might be I need to get over the hump to be the you know get myself above Jordan. Who knows? He might want to take take the reins of a team, which in LA he would because they would have to move Lando. They he would he would be the main ball handler there. Obviously, yeah. who else is there? No, he'd be ball handling there, especially because Kawhi and PG are both off ball guys. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it, I mean, if they can get that set up down there, it totally makes sense to me. I hate it. I hate the fact that they'd be in the West. Dude, could you could you just imagine that scenario playing out? Play that scenario out, and those three guys are all Lakers next year. What a joke! Like, what a fucking joke the NBA has become. If that's actually what happens, if those three I mean, guys, why, why? Because it's it's ridiculous, man. Now, really, look what you've done. No, this is all Kevin Durant's fault. Let's be honest. Uh, I think it's all LeBron's fault no. because he started this. No, we did with Miami. No, we didn't. It's all LeBron's fault. And Kevin Durant just made it worse. Okay, he started it. He went down. He, he teamed up with Wade and Bosch. They won two championships. Yes. Okay, I get it. Then he was out. And he was He's out. gone. Right. Now, he Durant, started it, made it like a thing to do, and then Kevin Durant. But they lost one between there. So it was like, okay, we knew who was going to the finals. Two. I get it. They lost two. They lose they two? lost to the Mavericks and then the Spurs on the back end. They won two oh, in the wow. middle. They, they lost to the Mavs the first year, which they should never have lost. That Mavs team stunk. 
Uh, yeah. No, well, the, that Mavs team. I hope it is. A couple Hall of Famers on that team. One. No. Dirk. Wasn't wasn't uh, Jason yeah. Kidd on the team? Ah, uh, yeah, you're right. Jason Kidd was on the team. Okay. So yeah, but the, that Mavs team, the the Heat team was a superior team. Yeah. Let me ask that. you a weird question. This might be stupid. Okay. This might be a really stupid question. Okay. All right. Brace yourself. Uh, I'll... <laughs> Jason Terry has a lot of three pointers made. He does. Is he close to the half? Uh like he's got a lot. Of, he's a good shooter. You know what? I'd have to I, here. I'll look at his numbers. I don't. I, I you know. I have to. I have to look. People at his might rip me one way or another, but I I don't think it's as dumb a question as you thought. It. I thought you were going to ask me something about Jason Kidd. <laughs> Jason Kidd's uh, no. Jason Kidd's um, unbelievable. Yeah, I love Jason Kidd. Yeah. Um. Jet. I'll pull up his stats that we talk about. So, but yeah, they lost. They lost to the okay. Mavericks. So, they won right, and they lost to right. the Spurs. Even even if he got it started, let's blame him. Let's play. Dude, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant ruined Kevin Durant everybody. moving. Yeah. It, it almost makes it impossible for anybody else to get there if you don't do what we're just talking about. Teaming up with Paul George, Kawhi, LeBron. It's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous team. And, and you're going to have Kuzma and you're going to have Ingram. And you're going to have um, some other pieces there too. I mean, they're, they're not – all as they're constructed right now. I really just I, – I'm not a Lonzo guy. I think he needs – if he gets out of the way. I mean, I don't think Lonzo – dude, Lonzo, oh, my God. It's his off, dad. Hang on, hang on a second. Dude, <laughs> Jet Terry has been in the league forever, bro. Look at this. I know, but he's up there like one of the top three okay, players so of all he's time. He's been – he's got – let me count. He's got – oh, my God, dude. He's been in the league for 13, 15, 17, 20 years. He's got. Let's see how many career three point makes he has. Three points. Just go percentage. Three, well, career he's a thirty eight percent three point shooter, which is which is pretty good. Not great, but it's pretty good. Um, I have to. What's the three point made? I'll find it. But anyway, uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. He's a, well. Let's see his career scoring average. What? It's probably All right. very good. Dude, we can look this up later. No yeah. Cares about that. No one cares. Um, why does my voice sound so dictate? It's probably the mixer. <laughs> Are you trying to tell me I don't have enough bass in my voice when I'm not using my microphone? Save me your chest. <laughs> um. But so yeah. So I, other couple of things I want to cover the draft. Just some notables. Michael Porter Jr. ended up going to the Nuggets at 14, which is the biggest steal maybe in the history of the NBA draft because at 14, if he works out, that's incredible. And if he doesn't, who cares? Uh, the Michael Jordan of Delaware. Yeah, again, not going to change anything in the West. No, well, it's that not. was pretty good. It's not. Um, Dante DiVincenzo, the Michael Jordan of Delaware, went to the box at 17, which is a good pick for them. He's going to get to go play with the Greek Freak. Yeah, that, I mean that's great. I mean, who who do they have to handle the ball? Who do they have to? Yeah. So what's he gonna do? It, <laughs> what's he gonna do? Uh, the Jazz took Grayson Allen, which is kind of weird. At twenty one, it's a perfect fit, is it? Yeah. I don't know if he, I. I'm curious to see how his NBA career goes. I kind of root for Grayson Allen because he's like the villain from Duke. And he's kind of crazy. It's a perfect fit for him. And then uh, and, and and you know what's funny is uh, the the video that came out about. Mitchell smacking him in the face, another teammate. And after he yeah. got drafted, Mitchell came up and, and you know gave him a hug and all that. Yeah. So I think it's a perfect fit for him. And then our buddy, our other no guy, Jalen Brunson, he went in the second round. He went 33 to the Mavs. And Spellman went as well. Yeah. Uh, wait, who 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 did you say? Jalen Brunson. Where would he go? He went to the Mavs. At what pick? 33. So the third pick in the second round. 
Oh, so they had four guys go in the first 33 picks. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, that, dude, they won the national championship. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah. So uh, we'll see what happens. I do like uh, your setup there for the um, for the for the the Kawhi with the move for the Sixers. I tell, I'll tell you what, dude. Like that spoke volumes to me when I saw that that move because when I was I was down fields and I heard we got Bridges and I was happy with that. I was very happy with that. He's an overall good player, and I thought I think he can contribute to a team this year, which would have been important for the Sixers to add a guy that can contribute this year. But when I saw it and I heard the outrage some people saying, oh, my God, why would they do the that? Move. It's so messed up. His family's here. He's from here. His mom works for the Sixers. He's a perfect fit, which is all true. It's all poop. But when you look at the bigger picture, building those assets, acquiring those assets, hoarding those assets so that you can send them out and get somebody like Kawhi, even if it's for a one-year deal, all you need to do is get him here for a one-year deal. I totally deal. agree with you. If you get totally him here for a one-year deal, and you bring LeBron in, or even if, you know, let's let's even say Paul George. Okay, Ooh, let's see. I would hate that, but okay, no, I wouldn't hate it. Would. It's still it's still a big time move. Paul George is a big time player. You're you're really I'm down short. on him, man. I'm really know, down. Yeah, on him. you're just anybody related with the Pacers. You just hate. But <laughs> it seems that way. Doesn't so it? so when you do when you do that, and when you look at it from the broader view, it makes so much sense. And I was I'm actually really excited, and I trust Brett Brown. Um, and that's what a lot of people have a lot of, uh, they're up in the air about they're, they're up in the air about trusting Brett Brown because we went through it a couple weeks ago when our GM got fired and who knows what's going to happen from here. Who's yeah. going to take over the draft? Who's going to have final say? He came out and said, I had final say in this. I made this trade. I approved this trade. This is what I wanted to do. And he sets up. This is up perfectly for what we hope is going to happen. I mean, I would be thrilled to get Kawhi here. Um, just real quick, Tate's talking. He's an official advocate for the baller brand. Respect the power of Lonzo. <laughs> Dude, have you seen how crappy those shoes are, bro? The big baller brand shoes are like 500 bucks. No, they're not. They're not worse than the old Kobe's. They look like uh, Yo, that looks bro. like a scion. Yo, bro. For the old Kobe's, Yo, like a scion. Horrible, man. Yeah. I I wanted to get them just because of Kobe, right? And I was like, yeah. this is so bad. I can't. I can't endorse it. I, well, listen, they need to get that kid out of there. I mean, All right, <laughs> he needs to be traded to somewhere like like Milwaukee, so, <laughs> somewhere like Cleveland. Let me ask this: somewhere like Orlando. Get him out. Get this guy. Get him out. He's such an annoyance, dude. If you're another GM, right? I'm gonna give you a team, right? I, I'll just give you a team. I already know the question. You're you're let's say the GM of uh, the Denver Nuggets, and mm-hmm. I'm Rob Palenka. I'm the Lakers. Yeah, when I come to you and I say, "Hey, I, wanna, I got I'm shopping Lonzo around. What do you think? <laughs> what do you no. think about Lonzo? No, I'm not taking him." <laughs> I'm not taking it, dude. I mean, you, you. I don't want him. I don't want. I don't want his dad there saying I got to take his kids. What if? What if you want really want Limelo though? Like you think Limelo? He's not that good, dude. What is he? Sixteen-year-old kid? He's like seventeen now. No, (laughs) no, no. Talk about building assets for the first of all. Let's talk about the first thing. If we're really talking about Lonzo Ball that much on the show, the kid's shot is disgusting. Yeah, it's ugly. It's disgusting. I just don't think he's. I mean, I think he's good. But yeah, I mean, he got hyped up. He's good, but he's pick. not worth the, the baggage. No, he's not worth. That's the problem. Tate, Tate, what do you think about Lavar? If he was just a guy that played the way he plays, I'd say okay, I'll take him on my team. But he take he brings so much baggage with him. He's making rap videos. He's his dad's on t- television every other day. 
talk about his his brand. Yeah. Like he's telling me I have to draft his kids. Yeah. No, he's no. not coming here. I'm with you. I don't think there there's anybody that would disagree. Well, so, so we'll see. We got more. We'll have more to follow here for the. Uh, for the NBA drift and its fallouts with the pieces moving. Cause uh, what's going to happen sooner than later here is both Kawhi and LeBron are going to make their decisions. And the biggest piece is where's Kawhi going? We know he's not staying in San Antonio that much is certain within the next so month. Yeah. He he's definitely on the move. And I really hope that what I talked about plays out and what we are uh, getting in motion here, as far as Brett Brown goes, it really hope it plays out. No baseball today for anybody. No baseball today. Sorry, boys. We're, we're running long. We're running long. We'll get into baseball this week. What song is this? This is this is the song we were just talking about. I love this song. Oh, is this Wait Again? We've done this one. I don't care. Play it out. Hey, there may be a new, there may be a new uh, show coming to the From the Hill podcast umbrella. Be on the lookout for it. We're, we might post it. We've been talking about it. It's a music show. It's to get you involved with some new music that's come out so that you get into some different stuff than what you've been hearing for the last year and a half over and over and over again on Top 40 Radio. Get your mind open to some new stuff. And uh, we're going to put it up. I think we're going to put it up on the uh, on the iTunes yeah, so, that so you guys can download it. It's with me and my dad, who is a big-time music Nick's guy. Nick's father he is. Does all the, uh, he does all the research. He does all the uh, looking into the new stuff, he's it's it's his passion. It's what he loves to do, and I'd appreciate you guys just check it out. And you can learn some new stuff about music and find some new artists. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, we're expanding our from the hill content, and uh, Nick's really excited about it. Nick's father's a big music guy. I know that for a fact. So uh, yeah, take keep keep on the lookout for that. As always, guys, we appreciate everybody hopping on, everybody contributing on the Facebook live feed. We appreciate. Uh, don't forget, subscribe to From the Hill Podcast. That's right there. When you're searching for it on YouTube, make sure you use the underscores. You'll pop right up. You can search my name as well, though nobody can spell McGuigan, but you're on here. You're, you know how to spell it, so go ahead and do that. And also, as Nick alluded to, the iTunes podcast application, same thing. Make sure you use the underscores to search From the Hill. And I, I never mentioned this, but I know some people do use the SoundCloud application as well. And that's actually like our hosting where we, uh, where we host our feed from. So if you're on SoundCloud as well, which is another great place uh, to look for new music and stuff like that, you can get to us on SoundCloud as well. So those are the three ways you can get from the hill. For show, for show. That's it, yo. Getting that for show. We're going to shut it down. Again, thanks everybody. Nikki Ubies for, for, <laughs> for the profit swags. Oh, Jay, Jay Ron Polo just joined. Sorry, Jay. We'll see you later.